Amen. So, second week of our, our series on Colossians. As I explained last week, uh, you know, I'm not going to go over last week again, but we tend to run in a bit of cycles at church. Sometimes we'll talk about a theme, like we dedicate the whole of June to talking about being brave and trusting God. And then we looked at how we build faith that outlasts and endures circumstances to come out with some victories. But at other times of the year, we just uh, preach through a book. And so this is our second week on Colossians. Don't worry if you didn't get the work here for the first week, uh, because each bit's kind of self-contained. You'll learn something new. Um, But today I'm starting at, uh, I'm still in chapter one. It's going to take a few weeks to get through Colossians. Uh, So if you go to verse six of chapter one, and I'm just going to read, um, basically read the passage right through that we're going to be talking about. And then I'm going to go back and look at specific verses. So for most of this morning, you're going to be on that same page. So like, love it, care for it. Get your Bibles out. Show me your Bibles. Go on, you know, fighting fighting the enemy. When we get these things open, it it frightens the enemy. What really frightens him is when we act on the things that we've read. Then he's scared. Then he's worried. Then we take ground. Then we we get ground for the kingdom. So here we go. One Corinthians, sorry, Colossians. Chapter 1, verse 6. And he's talking about the truth of the gospel which has come to you as it has also in all the world and is bringing forth fruit as it is also among you since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth. As you also learned from Epaphras, you remember from last week, Paul didn't plant this church, Paul never went to this church, Paul never met people from this church and he never visited it. But he's writing to it because he trained this guy Epaphras, and Epaphras went and planted the church. So Epaphras is is the guy that founded this church. And I also learned from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is the faithful minister of Christ on your behalf, who also declared to us your love in the Spirit. So they were kind of, uh, Paul had got their reputation. Their reputation was people who loved in the Spirit. Don't you want that to be our reputation? Well, you love people to say about that. I know them. They're people who love. They love because Jesus is in them. They love because they're full of Jesus and full of the Holy Spirit. For this reason, so this is Paul, we also, since the day we heard it, we heard about your love in the Spirit, don't see, do, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you will be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints of the light, and he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Amen. Some really powerful stuff in there. And uh, like I said last week, one of the things about Colossians is it's really densely written. All the way through, there's so much stuff in each verse. And that's why we're going to take a bit of time getting through it and trying to sort of highlight things. And um, so I'm going to start at verse 6. I don't think I put this on the slide. I changed my mind about where I was going to start. But going back to verse 6, he's talking about the word of the truth of the gospel which has come to you as it has also in all the world, and is bringing forth fruit 
as it is also among you, since the day you heard and knew the grace of God in truth. Now, I want to show you two things there. You see, whatever's going on in the world, and however bad the world seems, whether we're bothered about Brexit, whether we're bothered about Donald Trump or Theresa May or what Russia's doing or who's doing what or the state of the economy, whether we're bothered about all those things which the world really wants us to bother about and the enemy really wants us to bother about, the truth of the gospel is that wherever it's preached, it has effect. You see, it says that the, the gospel which Paul gave to Epaphras is bearing fruit right across the civilized world at that time. The gospel brings fruit. Yeah. You know, we, when we looked at Romans, we knew that Romans said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God from men to salvation. And so if people hear the gospel, it will bring fruit. That's guaranteed. It, it's kind of uh, pregnant, ready to give birth with people who will be fruitful believers. The, 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 the issue is if people don't hear the gospel, then there's no fruit. But what Paul is saying is wherever this gospel's preached, where people hear it, there's fruit. And the reason there's fruit is because they understand one thing. They understand one thing about the gospel, that it's a gospel of grace. That means it's all about what Jesus has done to make you right with God, not about what you can do to earn God's favor. It's about what Jesus has done his sacrifice, his complete work at the cross that made you right with God when you put your faith in him. It's not about you trying to sort yourself out and make yourself better so that God might accept you one day. Jesus has made you acceptable and he's done some incredible things in you, which Paul goes on to talk about in this passage. But it's this gospel that bears fruit. And that's really important because... It's not a different gospel that bears fruit. You preach anything else other than that, it won't bear fruit. That's what Paul's saying. It's, it only, he says it's only bearing fruit, guys, because you understood this was about grace and it was about what Christ had done and not about you. And that you threw yourself wholly on him, entrusting him, gave your lives to him, and so you received the benefits of what he'd done. And, he said, and, and what Paul says is, that's good news. That's Because the gospel means good news, doesn't it? Yeah. So Paul's saying, that's good news. Now, I think that is really good news, isn't it? Because if it depended on me, I'd just mess it up all the time. Well, as it is, it depends on what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. And the only bit I have to do is believe it and live my life because of it. And that's good news. Because I can't mess it up. I can't mess up what he did 2,000 years ago. Because he's done it. I wasn't there. I mean, I may be a little bit older than I was when David was last here, but I wasn't there 2,000 years ago. So I couldn't mess it up. So that's kind of where Paul's starting. So if we go on to verse 9. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Now, we talked about how God has a specific will or he's got a plan for each of us. He's uniquely gifted for us, to us. 
And we talked about that last week, so I'm not going to cover that again, but I just wanted to say some more about this, this knowledge of God's will. Now, that word knowledge, it's a really interesting one because us being us, look at that word and we go, well, that's information, isn't it? Like, you know, you get books and you accumulate knowledge through books and learning. And, and this, this whole place, this building we're in is dedicated to knowledge, isn't it? Information, education. That's not what this word means. But when we read it, that's what it translates to in our heads. And we've got to get over some things to understand what Paul is saying about knowledge. You see, we have a particular way of learning, which is sit down, listen. I'll put it up on the, on the display screen and then you write it down and then you regurgitate it in an exam when the time comes. That's our way of getting knowledge. Or you regurgitate it with a bit of a twist on, quoting a few references and we call it a dissertation. You know, that's kind of how knowledge works these days. Yeah. And it's how it's worked for 2,000 years. But that's not what he's talking about. And so you're going to, I'm going I'm to, just say to yourself, I'm going to make a mental leap here. I'm going to make a mental leap here. You see, because Paul was a Jew and they don't think about knowledge like that. And when Paul uses this word knowledge, it's a, it's a Greek word, gnosis, which sounds like it starts with an N, but actually starts with a G. You know, if you were northern, you'd say it was gnosis, but it's not, it's just gnosis. And um, that knowledge means first-hand experience by coming into contact with. First-hand experience by coming into contact with. And basically, what he's talking about is you see it happening, you experience it, you, you, it's happening in, your, in the midst of you guys when you meet. It's happening in the midst of the church that you were part of. And, and he's saying this, this knowledge that he's talking, this first-hand experience comes about as, as, as a body of believers and as individual believers within that body as we go about the mission of God for our life. And so it's a very different type of knowledge. It, it, it's a knowledge you can only get by going about the mission as part of a body of believers. Because you have to see it, you have to live it, you have to be part of it, you have to co collaborate in it, and then you get the knowledge. It kind of rubs off on you when all those interactions come. And that's the sort of knowledge he's talking about. And so when you take that a bit further, so when he's talking about God's will, what he's saying is, you know, that, how do I put it? It's about us been on mission together so what's the mission what's 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 our purpose in meeting on a Sunday morning what's our purpose in being a church what's our purpose in being a believer well Jesus said it like this and I'll, I'll start with the the doing bit of it and this is where he put it he said go make disciples of all the nations and teach them to do all that I commanded you yeah, famous, famous statement. And he, and he says some other things. But the, first thing, the last thing he tells his disciples to do is go, make disciples of all the nations and teach them to do all I commanded you. Now, here's the problem. That also translates badly in people's heads. We like the go, 
although we'd rather stay. But we like the go, if we could just get moving. And, and the making disciples then translates to teaching people the Bible and information about the Bible. And we, we dilute discipleship to a Bible study. And then we, we, we get even more fuddled in our head because we go, our job is to teach everything that is commanded. And so we start teaching people laws, rules, regulations, ways of doing things, ways that we do things, our traditions, the way we go about things. And we think, there you are, I've done a good job. No, you've done a terrible job because you misread the sentence. And Jesus said, teach them to do all that I commanded them to do. Not the law, what I commanded. What did I tell you to do? I told you to love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind and all your strength. Pursue that. Love one another as you love yourself. Love one another as I have loved you. Then go make disciples and teach them the same things. And what else did he do? Paul came along and he added a couple of things to that. He said, give thanks to God at all times and in all places. This is the will of God. That's what we teach people. That's what discipleship is about. It's, it's, it's helping people and training people to understand that on a mission to go and impart that DNA of those things. Loving God, loving one another, loving people like you loved, loving people like Jesus loved you, and giving thanks to God in all things because you know he's on the case and he's sorting it out. Amen? Okay, so that's what we're talking about when, when, when Paul's coming out there. Now, here's the thing. If you just leave it like that, you can get really airy-fairy. Because, it, you know, when you talk about what Jesus has done in isolation, it doesn't translate to anything happening in a life. And Paul goes on, and what he's basically saying is, if you've got all that about grace, if you've got all that about love, it should result in something. You don't do something to get it, but it should result in something. And, and so what is it, what's it supposed to result in? Well, that's what he's writing here. You see, he's saying, He's going to go on and say it is all about Jesus, but I need you to understand up front that if, as it's all about Jesus, it should result in something in your life. Not so you earn God's favour, but so you live worthy to what God has done for you. It's a different thing. So what he talks about is living lives worthy of what Christ has done. Lives pleasing to God. How do you live a life pleasing to God? Well, he talks about been having a reputation for loving, having a reputation for caring for people, having a reputation for people who walk in faith and trust in God. He talks about uh, uh, believers who go on a mission to reach others with that love and show them their trust in God. And so what he's saying is, is that the gospel bears fruit, and the way it bears fruit is because those who are saved by the gospel, it results in something in their lives. The, it changes you to change others and to reach others. So you can't separate the two bits. You see, a lot of people just want all the good stuff. They want to grab hold of grace without allowing it to change them and without allowing it to result in something. You know, I, 
I don't know how many times we've heard uh, Heidi Baker in conferences say these words, love looks like something. You can't just say, I love. You can't just say, I love you. It has to look like something. Otherwise, it's not real. It's just words coming out of your mouth, and, and it has to look like something. Why does it have to look like something? So if you, if you, um, how can I put this? You see, it's really easy to get confused when you talk about grace, and you talk about it all depending on what Christ has done and the price he paid to save you. You're not doing something to earn God's approval. You're not loving people to earn God's approval. You're not reaching people to earn God's approval. However, you're not I'm going to put, you're not trying to be holy to earn God's approval. You're not walking right and walking well to earn God's approval. However, if you've got grace, you will walk holy because your desires inside have changed. And there's a very good reason why we need to walk what we talk. And there's, there's the big disjoint that we have because the one thing that people say about believers is, I don't go for that because I've seen so many hypocrites. Church is full of hypocrites. And we can deny it as much as we like, but unfortunately, that's what the world thinks of us, that church is full of hypocrites, people who don't walk what they talk. And here's what Paul is saying. He's saying you have to walk what you talk, not to get yourself saved, but because the world is watching. And you've got to recognize that they are watching your every move and they are going, does what's coming out of their mouth measure up to what they're doing and the way they're living? And people, unfortunately, don't judge Christ on his own merits. They judge them on the basis of what they see in us. And that's why it's so important that we walk well, that we live holy, that we, we walk right, that there's, there's a do that goes with our like babble, noise, all the stuff that we come out with on Facebook and out of our mouths and all the rest of it, that there's a do that goes with it because the world is watching and they're going to judge Christ not on the basis of Christ initially, they're going to judge Christ on the basis of you because you're the only bit of Christ they see. And, and Paul gives a second reason why we should do it. He, he said, he talks about how, how can you put it? He basically says, if you love somebody, you do things that please them. You say, I love Cheryl, so, you know, I, I immense sacrifice to myself this morning. I made her a cup of tea, took it up, wow. and there she was, all, all excited about getting a cup of tea. Like, leave it on the sink, darling, I'll be down in an hour. You know, I'm just doing my face. It was, but you do nice things. <laughs> Because you love somebody. We do good things because we love God. What we do is actually a reflection to us of how much we love. What we do is actually a warning system for us ourselves because if, if, if we aren't actually uh, doing 
things, good things, and we aren't doing fruitful, loving things, it should set off an alarm bell in us that something's going wrong in our heart that needs sorting. You know, if we ignore what Jesus said in those, those things he said I commanded, we've, then it should be an alarm bell going off that something has gone wrong and I'm walking according to my flesh, not my spirit. That I'm walking carnally and not according to what's in my spirit. It should set off some alarm bells, shouldn't it? So what Paul's saying is, you know, knowing the gospel's one part, but you also need to walk worthy of it. You also need to walk according to it. Okay. Let's go on to verse 11 and 12. Strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering joy, giving thanks to the Father, who's qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. So that, that knowledge that we talked about, that getting involved in things knowledge, that being part of a body knowledge, that being on a mission together sort of knowledge, that living it out the rest of the week, what you talked about on Sunday mornings type knowledge, that sort of knowledge, something comes along with it. Power. Strength. Might. If you're not, if you're not in that, what, what actually happens is you shrivel and you're weak. Because we're not meant to play this out ourselves. And so that, that knowledge, some, this thing comes along with it, and he, and he calls it might. Now, that's a, a translation of, of a word, um, dynamis. We get dynamite from that word. And so what he's talking about is when, you, when you've got that sort of knowledge, when you've seen it in front of you, when you've, you, you've gone after it, when you've sought it, when you've, you, you've lived it out for real... Power, the power of God in you comes to the fore. And that power, that dynamics means might and ability, mighty deeds, power through God's ability in you. And when he talks about glorious power, because he talks about might and glorious power, glorious power is another word, it's kratos. Did you get Greek this morning? And that's me, kratos is really interesting. Kratos means the ability to come out on top when you're under attack. So there's, there's something in that dynamic of living it out together and experiencing it and taking part in it and going on, the, going on a mission that releases the coming out on top power from inside of you. And that's really, really major, isn't it? Really major. And, and that really, like, pulls me up short because then I think, you know, too many of us, I hear of too many Christians now, and, and the way they talk, what they're trying to do and the way they approach their faith and the way they approach God is they try to get God to join his power to their mission. When actually, the way it works is to trust in his strength on his mission. And, and somehow we've got things just a little bit off skew when it's become about God fixing our lives first. He does fix our lives. He does bless us. 
But when that's first, it's off skew and it doesn't work. Because what we're asking God to do is, this is my life, bless it, God. And he's saying, hang on a minute, the way this works, the way you're going to experience my power in your life, the way you're going to experience that ability to come out on top in your life, whatever you're facing, it starts with my mission because that's where my power is. And that's a real challenge, isn't it? It's a real challenge because... So many of us are talking, oh, bless me, God, bless me, God, bless me, God. Oh, I want God's favor on me. How do I get the blessings of God? How do I get this? How do I get that? How do I get that? Well, perhaps just we need to start slowing down and going, actually, God, what do you want? Because that's where the provision is and that's where the power is. That's where the fulfillment is for us. We're, there's so many believers, Christians, chasing lives and they're unfulfilled because they're chasing what they want for their life instead of setting off from the point of what does God want for my life and that's where the fulfillment is and so Paul's actually been quite straight you know he's been very direct I, I like Paul because he's direct he's a bit like me doesn't win you any popularity contests but it does mean that you can't be mistaken you can't like not be understood so where do we go with this well you know one of the things that I've been asking God to do in my life is to actually listen more to the Holy Spirit. So I've been actually practicing this a lot over the last six, seven months. And um, this week I, I went across and I was going to a meeting with uh, the pastor who's over in Bedford who organised the conference that we that I spoke at over the summer and Jules and, and Nathan helped at and, and were part of the team at. And um, so I went over there and I got there early. And um, in getting there early, I did what I always do when I'm early for a meeting, which is go to Costa. Yeah. Old, old people, you know, I, I'm, I'm surprised Costa's just not more mentioned more in the Bible, personally. <laughs> but I go to Costa and, and I, was, I was walking Costa and I just felt God remind me. He goes, like, remember what we're doing here, we, we're practicing. So I said, right, God, we've got an opportunity because I'm like 15 minutes early. What do you want to do? Because you know, in our desperation to reach people, we feel we have to go 100% plan one straight to the gospel every time and we force it and people reject it. And that's not always the best technique. It works if you're an evangelist, because somehow you get away with what the rest of us don't. But it doesn't... It, it's more than often, it's a one-shot only. Like, if you're talking to somebody at work, it's a one-shot only. Because it, you've got nowhere to go after, like, forcing your entry in and then telling them what you wanted to tell them, what was on your agenda. And... I've been like doing this study of how Paul went about things and how the, you know, they went about things in the early days of the church. And one of the things that they did is they worked on this principle that they didn't have anything rehearsed. That God would give them the words, the Holy Spirit would bring the words to remembrance that they needed when they were in the situation where they needed them. So I've been trying to remember that and think about that. So I went in and said, right, okay, God, what, what are you doing? 
and trying to, you know, when Stuart came and he was talking about understanding the atmospheres and the dynamics of the situation. So I was going like, okay, what's the dynamics of the situation in this coffee shop in Bedford? And I, and I sat down, I got my laptop out and I'm, I'm thinking and, and praying, just listening. And I hear like three people behind me and I have a look around because I'm, I'm nosy. Cheryl says, you can't look. Well, I do. And, and I look around, and there's kind of two single mums and, and a young guy who, I, I guess, he, he, didn't, he wasn't working or whatever, because they were having a, a conversation about how things had gone wrong in their life. And what they were doing is they were talking through this, and, and this phrase kept coming up, well, God's never come through for me. That's why I don't believe in him. And so I said, so hearing that, what do you do? So I said to Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? He said, I want you to, I want you to go and say hi to them. And he said, sorry, I just overheard what you said. <laughs> so I went and I said, look, I understand, that. I understand what you're saying. Life can be really hard on your own. Life can be really hard. And, and you get knocked down lots of times. Because, you know, one of the things that I've discovered is that we live in this world that is just full of messed up people. And not only that, we're messed up ourselves. And we've got a creation that is dying. And sickness and disease and all sorts of things are everywhere. And we're fighting this battle to try and stop it or keep us alive long enough. But we live in a mess. And not only that, we make messes ourselves and we've got an enemy who's trying to mess up our lives as well. So I, I understand what you're saying. But I just wanted to say that, you know, one of the things that I've learned that's really helped me is that if I'll keep going, if I keep trusting God, I have never, ever known him not to come through for me. And I just wanted to share that with you and tell you. So they go, <laughs> well, well, thanks for that. Okay. Anyway, so my, my friend arrived and I, I started uh, talking to him. I went and get him a coffee. And I think, oh, well, that was, that was interesting. So I went to get a coffee and I'm, I'm in the coffee queue and there was this, I, I guess... She, she looked like she was an Indian lady. She couldn't speak English. She was, I got in trouble for saying she was uh, really old. Um, but she was in her 70s, so she wasn't really old. She was in the, in, in the first springs of youth. <laughs> she was in her 70s. I got some flack at Life Group when I was telling them this. And, and she was in her 70s. She couldn't speak English. She's in the, in the queue. And she's trying to communicate with these two guys uh, who were behind the counter. And they were just like, they were being really unhelpful. And she was ending up with, like, a pot of tea that she, she wasn't sure what, what it was. She was ending up with a latte glass to put it in and a little pot with boiling hot milk in. Now, and, and she was just very, very confused. And I, I'm going, God, what, what do I do? I can't speak a language. What, what, what are you going to do here? And I said, God, you, just show me. Show me what you can do here. You see... I, I've learned that most of the time I've never asked. I've never even thought about that situation. I've just thought this is kind of awkward and ignored it. So I'm going like, God, what are you going to do? And so I, I, I'm looking around me, and there's a lady behind me in the queue, and, and she goes, it's really difficult, isn't it? She said, I'm from, I'm from Afghanistan, and I've been in this country a few years, and you know, I've really struggled to make myself understood, and it, it's, it's really difficult, isn't it? So I said, oh, yeah, it is. It's, so I'm going, God, what are you going to do? So this lady from Afghanistan, she comes around the back of me. She goes up to the counter. Turns out she speaks Indian. <laughs> They're from Afghanistan. I speak, yeah. 
she speaks in. She helps this old lady and, and gets her all what she wants. So the lady ends up with nice milk in a cup with, a, with the, the actual tea that she wanted. And, and this lady from Afghanistan goes and helps her sit down. And I said, this is amazing. What, well, that's amazing, God. So I get my coffee. And I said, right, is that, is that it, God? He said, no, no, I want you to watch what happens now. So I'm going like, okay. So it's, it's this thing about learning to listen to the Holy Spirit in real life dynamic situations. That's the knowledge that Paul is talking about. We're we getting this. Yeah. So I'm, I'm there and I'm going like, what happens? And so nothing, nothing is happening. And this, I've got my coffee and I'm stood, well, I've got my coffee for the other guy. Mine's going cold on the table over there. And I'm stood there like a lemon because sometimes... God likes you just stood there like a lemon. I don't know why. Perhaps he's having a chuckle up in heaven. You know, I don't know. But I'm stood there like a, a lemon. And, and this lady from Afghanistan, she goes up, she uh, orders her latte and she gets a, uh, orders a chocolate bounty and she, she gets these bags of dried fruit. And I'm thinking, that's a lot for one person. And she's, I'm thinking she must be hungry. And, and so she, she gets all this. And, I, and, and I'm going, God, what are you trying to show me? He said, I want you to go and pay for that. So I said, right, okay. So I get my money out, and I'd go and pay for it. And she objects. She doesn't want me to pay for it. But I said, no, no, I'd, you, you were really helpful to that lady. I just want to bless you. So I paid for a thing, and then went off to talk to my mate. Now, 20 minutes later, the lady from Afghanistan comes across the, to our table, and she said, I don't understand what happened there. I don't understand why you did that. Nobody has ever done anything like that before in my life. What is it about you? Why would you do that? And I said, because... I just wanted to bless you because you were kind to that lady. And I've learned that, you know, I used to be quite, you know, when I was young, I used to be, wouldn't even have thought of doing that. But I've learned that because of the love that God's put inside me, he wants to bless people. So I was just listening to what God wanted to do. And I saw you were kind to that lady and he told me to pay for it. So that's why I did it. And she goes, who is this God? So we had, a, we had a chat with her, and off she went. Now, why, why am I telling you that? I'm telling you that because this, this first-hand knowledge by getting involved requires us to listen to the Holy Spirit. And it's so important that we do that. I'm kind of behind where I intended to be, so we'll, I'll just have a look where, where we go. Here's the point that Paul comes up with. You do not belong to yourself. If you're a believer, you don't belong to yourself. I remember, like, it's quite a number of years ago now, and uh, God said to me, and some of you know this story, I was sat in my bedroom and I'm just, like, doing my quiet time, and I heard God say, like, when did you become Christian? And I'm one of these people that know. I know the exact minute. Uh, I said a prayer in the back of a little booklet called Journey into Life, and it was the 17th of March, 1975, 10.30 p.m. in my bedroom on Holgarth in Kendall. And that's, that's when I became a Christian. So I know. So I said, I know the answer to that. Unlike most questions God asked me, I knew the answer to that question. So I said, I told him. He said, that's really good. He said, you're right. 
I said, I was there. <laughs> I said, right, okay. He said, so when do you take it back again? You see, we don't own our lives anymore. We live like we do, but we don't. You see, when, when uh, Jesus, when we accepted Jesus as our saviour, something incredible happened. And it says in this passage that we were transferred or translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the, of, of the dear son of his love. So we swapped kingdoms. And it, and it says the way we swapped kingdoms is he paid the price to make that happen. He paid the transfer fee. It's like at the start of it, just think of it like this. I know it's not very spiritual. Uh, and, you know, when, when you think of the way my football team's playing at the moment, it could be more like hell than heaven. But, you know, <laughs> it, here's, here's how this works. At the start of each football season, you have all the transfers. Transfer deadline, yeah? Um, and, you, like, who's going where and who's going to buy who and whatever. Here's the point. That when you're a footballer, the club that you've signed a contract with owns you. And they can sell you. So before you're a believer, you're owned. You might not feel owned, but the reality is you're owned and you're owned by the devil. You're in that kingdom. You're in the kingdom of darkness and you can't see the light. But when you accept Jesus as your saviour, the price he paid gets you the transfer fee. You're no longer contracted to that system. You're contracted to a different system. And Jesus owns you. And that's why you're free. You're free of the old contract because he paid to put you under a new contract called the new covenant. You're transferred out of darkness into light. It's who you are. But it's there's something that goes along with that that we forget that we're not ours. We're on a mission for the kingdom. You know, I know some footballers do this, so the analogy breaks down, but it's no good turning up and saying, I'm not going to train and I'm not going to play because you don't get paid. You know, the, if you're contracted, you do the business. You get out on the football field and you play. And that's what Paul's saying. You get out on the, get in the game and play. Get in the game and play. Because you're not, you're not working for some, some sort of two-bit rubbish manager anymore. You're working for God. And here's the good news. That manager hated you and this one loves you. That manager thought you were terrible and he was always like working you like a dog to get you to do the least little thing. This manager tells you how brilliant you are, how amazing you are, what he's put in you. He fills you with his own spirit and then says, go and play now because you can do this. That's who he is. That's, that's, that's kind of the reality of the situation we're in. If we don't think we are, then it doesn't operate. But the minute we know that, that's where we are. That's how we live. That's where we come from. And here's, here's where I want to finish. Uh, I've just skipped a few things, but he goes on and he says, so what, what's the result of that? And let me, I've completely lost everything where I was now. Here we go. That's the wrong bit. Verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who's qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. Delivered us from the power of darkness, conveyed us in the kingdom of his son, his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. 
here's the last bit I want you to see. And it's, it's a particular word I want you to pick out of there. And you'll, well, two words. Firstly, Jesus gives you a name. Paul gives you a name. God gives you a name. What's your name? Saint. You see, we went on holiday in Italy uh, recently, and there's saints all over the place. Saints I've never heard of. The saint, whatever's of the blessed, whatever's in the whatever well of the whatever's. And I've never heard of any of them. But the bones are there. There's a, there's a really brilliant one. I want to go back for this one because there's this. Can I tell this one? So there's this one. And, and they've, got this, they've got this poor guy's bones. It, it, like, it's been there 500 years. And, and they're under the altar. And it, it, there's just glass on the front. And he's there and he's smiling. It, it's, a, it, it's like he's mummified, but it's his body. And, but the teeth are intact. And it looks really odd because you're like... Anyway, so what he was, he um, was this saint, I can't remember his name now, and he, um, he kind of went on a pilgrimage and he, he came uh, to this town, Luca it was, wasn't it? Luca. He came to Luca and uh, while he was there, the Black Plague was on. And so there was lots of sick people and he visited some people in the hospitals. And... Uh, while he was there, on his way back from his privilege, because he's going pilgrimage, because he's going home, he, he went and he and he stayed with the widow, and he was there for a little while, and then he died. He got ill and died. Now, after he was dead, because he was such a, you know, he was a really kind and and he was noted for praying for the sick and things, they they attributed some miracles to him and made him a saint. So that's how you get to be a saint. You got to die. But here's the good stuff. Once a year, they open up the glass at the front of the thing and people can file past and touch his head and get healed. So I'm going back. <laughs> I want to go at this. I want to see. You know, but we, that's what we think of as a saint, isn't it? Or we, it's a lot about St. Francis of Assisi when we're there because there's lots of Franciscan uh, abbeys and things and all, all these sort of things. And, and that's what we think of as saints. But you're a saint. Every single person in this room who believes in Christ Jesus is called a saint. Yeah. What's a saint? Is, anybody know what the word saint really means as opposed to a bunch of bones under an altar? What's it mean? Set apart. Consecrated for God. Set apart. How are you set apart? Because you're not in the kingdom of darkness anymore. You're set apart in the kingdom of light. You, 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 you've been transferred and you're on a mission. That's what a saint is. Somebody consecrated, set apart for the mission that God has for them. That's who you are. Turn to the person near you and go like, you're a saint. I never knew that before. <laughs> I'd just like to point out, just like, because I'm, I'm just about to finish in, well, a couple of minutes. But I'd just like to point out what a crawler Roger Bostock is. <laughs> He just turned to Cheryl and said, you're a saint, and I always knew you were. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing. When you became a saint, God qualified you to do what you're going to do. There is no skill deficiency in the kingdom of heaven. A lot of us think, well, I can't do that, I can't do it. Yeah, you can, God qualified you. 
God qualified you. God qualified you. You know, somebody this week they said, uh, "Oh, I've been I've been talking to some people about you." And, uh, yeah, he said uh, two people that have come to me. Oh, that's that Mark Baines. That's he, that's that faith teacher guy. And I'm thinking because they meant it in a bad way, but I'm thinking like, well, what's the alternative? I'm an unbelief teacher guy. <laughs> I mean, that's just a stupid comment, isn't it? Oh, well, let's teach you unbelief, people. <laughs> yeah, we'll that, that'll work, won't it? And you just think, what a stupid comment. Yeah. Well, I did. <laughs> here's, here's the thing. We, we, don't, we, we have what we need to do what we're asked to do. Yeah. Because faith is the title deed of our inheritance. That's what Paul says. He says you've got an inheritance that you're sharing amongst the saints. We've got an inheritance. And faith's our title deed. And so what that means is we stop living by how we feel and start living by what Jesus says is the truth. Here's kind of what I want to challenge, because I really felt that some people needed to hear this. A lot of us spend our lives run, having our lives run by what they say. Well, they say this. Or I was reading on the internet that they say this. Or they say. Or they say. Here's my question. I'm sure you know it. Who are they? Who are they? Do you show me them. I'm going to nut them because I'm just fed up of they. I mean, who are they? Who, who are the they? We let them run our lives and we don't even know who they are. And that bugs me. It should bug you. We should like go, this is stupid. They are running my life and I have no idea who they are. Here's what we think, that they're the experts. Experts in what? All they've managed to do is discover a few things about the incredible creation that God's given us and about how it works. There's one expert and he's called Jesus. But here's the exciting bit. The spirit of Christ lives in you. His spirit and your spirit are one spirit. 1 Corinthians 6, 17. It's no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you. Galatians 2, 20. As he is, so are you in this world. John 5, 1 John 5. I could quote loads more. But here's the point I'm making. Experts are called experts because somebody gave them the title. And here's what Jesus calls you. He calls you an expert who he has qualified. You see, I'm an expert in the word of God. I'm an expert in Jesus. I'm an expert in taking a life that's messed up and turning it around. I'm an expert in seeing things experts call impossible. I'm an expert in seeing doctor's diagnosis reversed. I'm an expert in seeing the things that can't be seen be seen. Because that's who Christ made me to be. That's who I am. You see, who made me that expert? Jesus. You see, he gave me the certificate. 
he qualified me. He signed the certificate. He graduated me. He sent me on my way. He gave me a job. He gave me a commission. He gave me a purpose and said, you're qualified to do it. Don't sit there thinking you're not. Don't sit there letting they tell you what to do because you're qualified to do what I have for you to do. And that's what I want you to think about this morning, that you're qualified to do what God has given you to do. Not only that, you're equipped. And you've got this inheritance to draw on. It's like having a toolbox that has everything in it you need. All it needs you to do is get involved. That living it out the rest of the week. That's all it needs. And the power and the might and the fruitfulness will come. Amen. Let's chant. I realise I didn't say what, where the expert comes from. That word quali translated qualified, he's qualified as means rendered fit for the job. Made right for the job. That's what it means. So, Father, I thank you. I thank you that you are just an incredible God who takes like the, 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 the rubbishest of material like, like me and, and, and others and you just turn it around, you qualify us, you give us what we need and then you send us out onto the playing field to do our stuff. Yeah. And I thank you for that. Yeah. Praise you, Jesus. Amen.